Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Park Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah as we look back on Chelsea's 3-0 win over Everton from Sunday night. Lots of things happened in the Women's Super League over this weekend, which made this game a little bit extra tasty. Um, Obviously, lots of you will know, I'm sure, that earlier in the day, Arsenal lost to West Ham, which meant Chelsea had the opportunity to go six points clear of Arsenal. Obviously, City won their game, so didn't actually uh, extend the lead at the top anymore. But Abdullah, did that have you feeling... A little bit nervous going into this one because I definitely you know normally I think I'd go to a game like this and feel like pretty relaxed but I definitely felt extra aware that there was like something to really be gained by winning this yeah I think it was just the fact that there was just extra pressure on right like the fact that Arsenal lost everyone's looking at Chelsea there's no Sam Kerr can they now cope under the pressure quote-unquote you know of winning the game when you don't have your talismanic player it's Everton at home Everton aren't a, aren't a bad team you know they've, they've been doing decently well under Sorensen all things considered over the last couple of seasons so it was one of those banana skin games right we could very easily you know Everton have a decent squad I, I think they got one of the one of the better squads in, in the league so um, it definitely was a game where you have to be very wary and it's definitely one of those games where you look back and Chelsea are you know we could have been st- stuck there with against against a team that was just going to make it difficult. Um, and then, yes, we have firepower on the bench, but it, it would have been difficult. But uh, I, I think, I think as the game wore on and the more chances we created, I thought I thought we were really, really, really good. And and once the first goal went in, I think it was just a little calmer in general. But yeah, definitely a, a nervous game going in, especially with Arsenal losing, and and then on the other hand, City winning. So it was like the double-edged uh, thing of the two teams, the winning and losing, and you know, uh, making sure that you um, emphatically go away with a good performance. Yeah, and I think as a result, well, not really as a result, but the game definitely had sort of its own uh, intrigue about it. Um, we're going to sort of focus in on a couple of things in this app. We're going to talk a little bit about Myra Mira. She made her full debut. We'll talk about the penalty decisions, which have set Twitter alight um, in a way that I don't really understand and I think has a lot to do with the fact that Arsenal lost uh, and some of the decisions in their game. And then we will finish off by we'll have a bit of discussion about where Arsenal are, where City are and the title race in general. Um, but yes, yeah, so 3-0 win over Everton. Goals from Guru Wrighton in the 27th and 72nd minute. Oh, palindromic penalties. There we go. Uh, love that for Guru. Uh, with Aaron Cuthbert finishing off a fantastic team move in the 83rd minute to really put the game to bed. Um, let's run through the lineup then. So Hannah Hampton continuing in goal um, definitely is like the nailed down number one at this point. Uh, Jess Carter and Natalie Bjorn paired up in midfield with Ashley Lawrence on the right, Neve Charles on the left. Aaron Cuthbert and Melanie Lloyd-Poltz together in midfield with Johanna Ritten-Kanarid, LJ, Guru Wrighton and Myra Ramirez as the front four. Abdullah, I think the thing that struck me about this lineup is that with the exception maybe of Ashley Lawrence and Eve Perisay, this feels like a very nailed down Chelsea starting eleven. 
Yeah, I think I think we've seen this in the last couple of games that the Loipels Cuthbert double pivot seems to be the nailed on one that Emma wants to go with. I think it's a good mixture of experience and and exuberance in there. Neve Charles has been nailed on left back since probably week one of the of the league. Um Canaridge, you know, surprise everybody, Guru Wrighton's Guru Wrighton, and Lauren James has been probably Chelsea's standout player of the season so far. Uh, and and Jess Carter's you know been monumental in, at center back. So yeah, and um, so with the exception of Lawrence and Paris, which I think will just keep switching around, I think everybody else is pretty nailed on. And and just quick shout out to Natalie Bjorn for kind of coming in in like three weeks, kind of making herself probably the most comfortable Chelsea player, a new signing that I've ever seen Chelsea have. Like she's playing as if she's been playing in this team for years. She is so comfortable at the back, and. She's actually so much better than I thought. I feel I feel comfortable with this Carter Bjorn centre back pairing as much as I did with Millie Bright and Jess Carter. So you know what? Shout out to Nessie Bjorn for doing her thing. Like I probably underestimated her impact a little bit when we were doing it, but I'm impressed. So yeah, this is this is this is the Chelsea team going forward. Yeah, I know. Um I think Bjorn had another really, really good game. Um and I I definitely feel like this is the most settled we've seen in a while from a Chelsea side. There are things that I think can and might change, even regardless of injuries. I think we'll continue to see Kirby and James rotated and it will be interesting to see what role Macario has to play. Uh, Hayes spoke about this after the match, saying basically that she feels like she's physically, Macario is physically ready, but not yet psychologically ready and she needs a little bit more time. And it's probably more likely to be after the international break than before but that's obviously I think the player really to keep an eye on in terms of who could maybe break into this but this feels very very settled right now just quickly talk about the Everton team because this was quite a weird setup Everton have a lot of injuries right now so we had Courtney Brosnan in goal back three of Elise Denovic, Megan Finnegan and Justin Van Havermet. Then we had Hannah Benison and Aurora Galley at wing back, which was so wild, so 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 wild. Uh, Katrina Cool, the Arsenal loney in midfield with Claire Wheeler, and then a front three of Rika Madsen, Martina Piemonte, and Heather Payne. The stats as well. So we had sixteen shots to their three, six on target for us, zero for them, which I do think is really crucial when we're also going to get into penalty discourse because. This was not a game where Everton did a lot going forward. They had like one good chance the entire match uh, and Garley put it wide. Um, so I think regardless of penalties, Chelsea would probably have gone on to win this. Uh, 54% possession for us, 46% for them. So it was quite even. Um, it definitely wasn't a game where we dominated. And I think, again, that says a lot about the shape Everton used and what they prioritised, which was mainly like trying to disrupt us and not really go forward that much. Um, nine fouls for us, five for them. Three offsides for us was zero for them. Ten offside, ten corners, four for them. And our XG was 3.5 to their 0.4. That obviously includes our two penalties. So we had about 1.9 open play XG and then sort of 1.6-ish on pens. Anything that stands out for you, Abdullah, about the, the stats from the game? Yeah, I think that the fact that, you know, we, we had 54% possession, I think while we did dominate, I feel like, it's not as high as maybe we would expect from a Chelsea team like this, especially with with the with the type of midfield and um, attack that we have. But then then again, except for Lauren, no one's really and and Canarid, 
I, I don't see anybody else with maybe a little actually even then just just just, just Lauren James who has the control that can maybe keep possession a bit better than everybody else. But other than that, the the fact that we restricted Everton to three shots and none on target, I think was the biggest stat for me. The fact that our midfield and defense kind of did work to kind of limit them, you know, limit them to 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 a very few number of shots and Obviously, our XG was was massive. Um, through we matched, we just basically just about matched it. Um, and one very amazing thing is we only had one yellow card with nine fouls, which again, really really good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think definitely what was key or like what felt very clear in this match is that Everton, with the way they were playing, really wanted to try and disrupt us, sort of in midfield areas um and i think they wanted to try and get the wing backs forward and have sort of those technical players higher up the pitch but it just didn't really work like that so i think it felt like everton really were kind of quite camped on the halfway line not even that they were playing in a particularly defensive way it's just that they didn't they had like piemonte pushing up but like she wasn't really getting anywhere near the ball um and i think that influenced quite a lot but i also think chelsea actually dealt really really well um, with that and even though we didn't score an open play goal until sort of the final minutes of the game the chances that we created even with that setup I thought were, were pretty good really um, but let's take an ad break here and then we will look at sort of that first half in a bit more detail so I think the key kind of talking point from this match Abdullah or like one of the most interesting things is Myra Ramirez and we are going to do that deep dive episode this week. I promise you, everyone, we have had to keep moving our schedule on it. But I do think it's worthwhile, even though we've seen her play a little bit now, to like talk more broadly about her career. So we'll do that. But want to sort of touch on her play in this match. I think something that really stood out to me is just, and we saw this a bit in the Brighton game as well, but just how physically superior she is to WSL defences. Um, Hayes was talking about it in the post-match presser and I can't remember the exact like phrase she used, but she basically was like, she's going to be a nuisance. And that's really how I feel. Like, this is a nuisance player. 100%. Like, even just from... Um, even just from... Uh, from these few minutes that we've seen her play. Unbelievable. Like, uh, for me, the the biggest standout thing, and 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 this is obviously different to what Sam Kerr offers. So in a in in a good way, this is a good difference to have from 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 Maya Ramirez is the fact that her hold up play in the in the wider channels is so good. I don't think I've seen anybody being able to hold up the ball, not even centrally, but in the wider areas, and her ability to to, to pick up, turn, and accelerate behind defenders she's deceptively fast like you think for someone for her size all right you know be a little bit slower she just bursts past people and then because of her brute physical strength she just knocks i didn't i forgot to count how many times she knocked off an everton player from the ball every time they went for a challenge they would just bounce off her and she would just go the amount of crosses that she puts in was unbelievable right obviously there are teams that are going to eventually figure that out and they're going to try and stop that cross coming in from the from the from the sides but the fact that she's able to kind of play in players without even having barely played with any of these players, if if at all, to be able to pick out these passes, I think was was unreal. So I think, you know, this team is just building a bunch of one-on-one maniacs that can just kind of go in from all over the pitch, whether it's Neve Charles at left back, 
you know, Aaron Cuthbert with driving runs. Lauren Jane's obviously the best one at it. JRK has improved with it. You know, Gurrighton on her day can, can do the same thing. So it's it's crazy. But I think the best thing about Ramirez is, and that kind of goes from, you know, over everybody is the strength and the and the turn speed with her holdup play. Unreal. And I don't think we've seen this sort of play in a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. I think there was obviously a moment early on where she sort of ended up through on goal and she needed to take the shot a little bit quicker. I think that's just like lots of players say that coming to the WSL is normally like an upping in intensity compared to um some of the other leagues. So I think that will come. Uh, but yeah, I feel like this team are just take on monsters. Like when you've got players like Charles, like Cuthbert, like you've said, LJ, JRK, and Myra Ramirez as well able to do that. It feels like there's the ability to go past markers on every area of the pitch. And I was actually really interested thinking about, because I've been thinking about why Arsenal lost to West Ham and why they sort of got these issues with low block teams. And, you know, I think it's something that we've struggled with more in the past than we have this season. And it's interesting. I had a look at their take-ons overall and they've done about the same as us this season. But for example, in the West Ham game, they had 15 attempted take-ons and eight successful. Whereas us against Everton had 34 attempted and 22 successful. So, you know, that's nearly like 300% more successful take-ons than Arsenal managed, which I think just tells you like the different ways we are looking to break teams who are going to sit back against us down compared to maybe Arsenal and like sort of our success in doing so. Um, just going to read out a couple of tweets about Myra that I thought was interesting. Uh, Seb, Seb White, who we obviously had on the podcast um, a, a couple of weeks ago talking about his uh, learnt, sort of learning and coming to support Chelsea women, um, said, I know it's only a couple of WSL games, but it's already clear Myra Ramirez is going to be a lot of fun to watch for Chelsea. So good with her back to goal and her hold up play, but also direct and effective running with the ball. Ava's already asked for a Columbia shirt. Uh, Ava is his daughter. You might remember we had a little interview with her at the end of that episode. Um, and Om Arvind, who we have had on the show before, but disappeared from Twitter, is so excited about Myra Ramirez. He popped back up. It was a, a treat tweet from Om uh, saying solid debut start from Myra Ramirez. Passing was iffy and there was some synergistic synergistic issues but made a bunch of good runs in behind leading to the questionable pen and her back pressing and overall defensive effort was superb a taste of what she can offer once she settles in and I think that analysis from Om is so positive Abdullah because obviously he's a Real Madrid fan he watches a lot of Liga FA and he's someone who really knows what like Ramirez can bring to the table yeah exactly I saw his tweet and I went are you back like literally <laughs> my first question was are you back question mark what's going on my man he goes here and there, here and there. So, you know, so the Gagan man's still keeping an eye out on things. Nah, he, um, I mean, his his kind of, his take is is pretty good, especially with League FA uh, uh, content. I think, no, I think the fact that he's 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 given this assessment of, of the runs in behind, her, you know, back pressing and, and defensive effort along with her shooting capabilities, and he's still saying that there is there are still some issues off, off these couple of games, then... I think um we're we're in for a treat and um you know I think I think with with Ramirez it's this is no hit on me official but you can already see the difference in quality up front just from the overall play me has been good but Myra just looks like a little bit of a step above and you can now see the two of them kind of going back and forth and 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 kind of playing that now but 
overall, I think, um, I, I think, I think, just having her Myra Ramirez that is on uh, up front, I think, will really give Chelsea a new dimension. And I think it just, it just, I, I, I think we will start seeing a slightly different Chelsea in terms of the way they they break going forward. I think with 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 Sam Kerr, it was very much a lot of balls in behind over the top and kind of through in between defenders. But I think now we're going to see the Myra kind of clip into the sides, into the half spaces, and we're going to see a lot more midfield runners coming in, uh, uh, you know, a la Aaron Cuthbert and whatever. So I think the way Aaron Cuthbert scored that open play goal, I think we're going to see a lot more of those. And I think this is where Kat, Fran, and I think even Yelena, I think all three of them will really benefit from having Myra around them just because of the way they, they like to play. Yeah, and I mean, the the name that comes to mind when you're talking about Myra in that way is sort of LJ, who I think had quite a quiet game. I think, as we say, like the way Everton sort of congested those areas, it took her a while to sort of find the spaces for herself to peel out wide. And I think that's sort of just realistic when you've got you know, a new player coming in who's getting used, you're getting used to their movement, they're getting used to your movement. Um, and LJ sort of only really had one good chance, which which went just wide. Um, but yeah, I think she's obviously someone who can really benefit by having Ramirez pull players out of, of position, you know. Like we saw the goal that Manchester City scored uh, against Leicester that Lauren Hemp scored, that sort of comes from Bunny peeling out wide and putting the cross in. And I think that's something Ramirez definitely has the ability to do. Uh, let's chat about that first penalty. I have gone back and forth on this so, 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 so much. Um, so basically, Myra like drives into the box. She skips over a challenge um which is also interesting based on what happens later in the game but she skips over a challenge she tries to cut the ball back claire wheeler sort of gets there and i think it's guru who's sort of running in yeah. they kind of collide and then wheeler gets up to clear the ball again as jrk is running in and crunches in on jrk's angle ankle now i think the contentious issue here is is Wheeler sort of making a fair attempt to clear the ball, which she does. You know, she she does clear the ball. But, like, I guess it's whether the way she's clearing it is dangerous play. And if you watch the freeze frame, her foot comes in, like, hard on JRK's ankle. It's only one foot, but it is off the ground. So I initially was like, maybe it's not a penalty. Now I'm back to being like, oh no, I kind of think like that is dangerous play. And just because you're clearing the ball, that doesn't mean you should clear it in that way. It was, I had to go back and watch it like three times because I couldn't find, first I thought it was the Claire Wheeler challenge that was given. Then I was like, no, it's the Myra, you know, it was the, it was the JRK one. And when I saw the replays a couple of times, I went, there could have been three penalties because of the Myra challenge. And then the next one and the next one, I went, okay, Myra skipped it. It's fine. I really thought JRK was a oh, sorry, not the the girl one was a penalty. And I saw actually it was a kind of a clean tackle. So I was like, fair mm. enough, right? It was good. And then every time I watch the 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 JRK one, I'm like, is that really a harsh penalty? Is that a harsh penalty? I think it's a harsh penalty. And then I was like, but then she did stamp on her ankle, basically, the follow-through. And I think because it was such a hard quote unquote follow-through, I don't think you have an option. Because the thing is, the only thing I think saving that decision is if it is saving it was 
the ball had already been cleared and gone past, right? It was just that the the foot followed through on JRK's ankle. Um, one side of me would want to think that the ball's already gone. If JRK's come through late, Claire's just kind of putting her foot in as to finish off the movement. There was no intent of tackling anybody, right? It was just the ball foot movement through the air to clear the ball. But then JRK comes in like a split second later and it's there. So I'm like, it's, I can see where the contentious thing comes from. But then just for the fact that you stamped on her ankle, you have to kind of give that as a penalty, I think. So yeah, it's I'm leaning towards giving it a penalty, but I can see why. Like I wouldn't overly complain if it wasn't given a penalty, if I'm being completely honest. I agree. And I think what's true with both of these penalties, not to spoil my thoughts on the later penalty, which we will obviously discuss when we get to it, is that both of them could have gone either way. But the reaction that was so bizarre was sort of acting like it was the penalty on Athena del Castillo in the Real Madrid game, where it was like miles off the box. Like, I think both of these challenges are like challenges where you're like, yeah, sometimes they're given, sometimes they're not. I think with the way VAR looks at challenges this one would have been given because they often feel quite strict on these kind of things. But yeah, I think my feeling on both of them were like, sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it doesn't. But like, this isn't some kind of crazy Chelsea conspiracy. I mean, if it was, if there was some Chelsea refereeing conspiracy, I really hope we'd have got a penalty before match day 13 of the WSL because this was our first penalty of the season. And we were one of like, four teams who hadn't had a penalty yet so and they're like buses they come in well twos the phrase doesn't quite work uh but yeah i, I was like hmm. <laughs> anyway guru steps up uh takes it slots it away where are we at on guru right and penalty taking confidence because she used to be someone i was quite nervous about but recently she's you know what like this is her third she scored three penalties now in about four different matches yeah, she's kind of just been low-key stepping up as the penalty taker of the team and just every time she's stepping up like and just scoring. I mean, I, yeah, in the beginning I was like maybe I don't know, girl, but then now like at least yesterday I saw it it didn't even like strike me that oh, you know, we've talked about girl in in uh in in that sense, but I was like you know, when girl took the first one I was like, yeah, it's going to be a goal, scored it. And then when she took the second one like, yeah, girl will score this scored it and i was like it's natural but then i realized wait a second girl used to be like yeah oh if you're on penalties and now you're like casual girl's just gonna score them no problem so yeah i'm good with it and you know we were talking about right goal contributions even if it's from the spot at least girl is back to scoring some more goals now so good for her confidence good for her tally and at least we have a reliable set piece taker there yeah definitely i think she's on five for the season in all comps now and four of those have come yeah in like the last four games obviously three of which penalties uh so that's good to see um just a little note before we take another break and move on to the second half um we want to talk about the defensive pairing because Everton didn't really have much going for them but I think what I really liked is that we it felt like we saw a much more confident centre-back pairing a much more confident Jess Carter than we have in recent weeks. And I thought both of them did really well at sort of marshalling that space, really, because there was so much space to cover given how um, congested the middle area of the pitch was, which sort of, I think, stopped 
any of those transitional attacks uh, generating from Everton, which I think is what Everton were looking to do. And as we know, it's something that Hayes and the team have identified as kind of their weakness when it comes to conceding goals. Yeah, uh, for sure. And and I mean, like I said earlier in the in the show, I thought, I just think that this pairing now seems so so good and so relaxed between Natalie Bjorn and 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 Jess Carter that there just seems to be this like. I feel calm when I see them. When I, I don't know if it's if it's Carter or Bjorn. I just see them on the pitch now, and I'm like, got this. There's just this calmness. There's no nonsense over there. It's just we're just gonna defend, and we're just gonna go through with it. And and again, Natalie Bjorn just seems like one of those players that has just stepped up a level. The fact that she stepped up in quality of a team, and so when she when she looks at it, it's like. You know, when you look at it, she's like, yeah, well, I've stepped into a better team, playing with better players, training with better players. I'm going to just up my game. And I think the responsibility of bringing in a player, you know, so talented and kind of so um, so hardworking, rather, I think is is bearing fruit now. Because I think for her, it's like, I just need to, I, I've got this chance now. There's no Millie Bright. Because obviously, when Millie Bright's back, she starts, right? I mean, regardless of who's informed, Millie Bright's going to start. So for her, it's like, I need to show that the second center back slot is is mine to the point where if they end up selling, if I mean I'm not saying they will, but if Chelsea end up selling Kirisha Buchanan in the summer, I'm not mad because I've got because Natalie, because of the way Natalie Bion's playing, right? If if that were to happen and they bring in somebody else, I'm not entirely mad because on current evidence, Natalie Bjorn has had a better start to a Chelsea career in like three weeks than Buchanan has probably had in the last like 12 to 18 months so i mean and that's a testament to the way natalie bjorn's played i mean it's it's nothing nothing on 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 kadisha but that's just kind of the way it's been going and, and i've been really really impressed um but yeah i think chelsea's defense looks so much settled now it's like, i think it's the most settled defense i've seen in a while not just from personnel but like all of them look comfortable and whether it's eve or ashley at right back either one it just the whole defense is comfortable and like we keep going back and saying when you have one or two players who have to settle into a team, if it, and especially if it's just one, and the other three can carry you forward, because then you're you're easy to kind of play. And when you have switching between Ashley and Eve, it's easy for them to come in because they both know how to play with these defenders. And so for the others, it's easy. Like, okay, I know how Eve plays. I know how Ash plays. So they can kind of adjust. And because the, re- the other three were co- more comfortable playing in that position, it made it easy for Nathalie Bjorn to bet in and play this centre-back role at a bit more of an ease than if the entire defense was new or out of form. So I think I think the that becomes a very, very um important point. But yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with this defense. Yeah, I do think they've looked a lot better. I think the City game will be a really interesting test for them because they have played against United and they did a pretty good job. But you know, I think being realistic, United are a level below the top three this year. And obviously, we got battered by Arsenal at the start of December. Um, Obviously, that wasn't with this defence. But it will be interesting to see, I think, how they cope with Man City and sort of three elite forwards and a team that is going to want to go and is going to have to go and attack, to be honest, because City will have to go into that game, like, not ideally not dropping points. um, But, you know, sort of bare minimum, I think they're going to feel like they need to draw. Um, All right, let's take another break here and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the second half. Um, So Emma Hayes after the match was a lot more complimentary about the second half. She basically said that she thought uh, 
Chelsea kind of figured out when to step out and when to stay back a bit better and get their distances right. And we definitely generated, I think, better chances in the second half. Um, Obviously, we score the penalty and the third goal, but there's good chances in this half for Canarid, for LJ. Um, Mia has a big chance that she misses when she comes on. Um, And what I liked, and we saw this in the first half, is sort of the varied attacks. Um, So we saw some nice long balls from both Natalie Bjorn and Hannah Hampton to try and access that space in behind. And I think, again, Abdullah, when we're thinking about how you break down a team that's going to sort of play back five and be willing to sit back, that kind of variety is is really, really important. Um, And yeah, we, we generated some really nice opportunities here. Yeah, for sure, and I think the team just overall, I think they just because they felt more comfortable in the in 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 the second half. I think it also gave Emma Hayes a chance to kind of reassess the way um, Everton were playing and kind of playing around that. Like you said, I mean, the fact that they're playing Aurora, Gali, and Hannah Venison as your wingbacks, I think that in and of itself was something that I think Chelsea then wanted to take more of an advantage of, especially with JRK and and LJ being able to roam. I mean, the amount of times that you could see Chelsea targeting those wide areas, especially in the second half, I think was really, really good. Um, I don't remember if it was that first, in the first half or the second half, maybe you can remind me, is Hannah Hampton's uh, gold kick that she picks up the ball and she just she was on, on the right, long ball forward into Guru. Um, I yeah, I think that's a, in the that first half, but that was first yeah, half. Really yeah, nice. but that just just as an example of that of that long ball variation, I thought that decision making from Hannah Hampton, I thought was was brilliant, and I think if we can get a bit more of that Hannah Hampton with her distribution, it'll be great. I mean, I think it's again Hannah's probably the best distributor of the ball at Chelsea from from a goalkeeping perspective. So if we can now have this very and we now have this ability to be able to play long and short, but both very competently because you've got Bjorn who can play the long balls but can also play the short passes into midfield which kind of reminds me of like Ericsson in a, in, a, in a way like kind of what Magda Ericsson used to do and actually Bjorn's kind of the Swedes taking over the Swede role so it's that's pretty cool Hannah Hampton with these longer ball control balls forward into like Myra and 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 Guru to kind of control and kind of play around there and then if you really want to drive through you can just LJ will probably just drop into almost a number six position, pick up the ball and kind of drive through everybody. Aaron can do the same thing. So these variations of not just type of attacks, but the players who can execute this, I think has become massive. And it, it, it kind of then puts teams into a fix because each of these players, whether it's Fran, whether it's Guru, whether it's LJ, whether it's Natalie Bjorn, all of them have a different way of being able to progress the ball and create space and attack that, there's no team in the world that's going to be able to plan for every single one of the eventualities because what are you going to do? Okay, yeah, Galena Kankovic comes on off the bench. How are you going to stop her from doing it? Because it's a different way of her playing, right? So I think in that sense, I, I really do like the way Chelsea have kind of gone around this. And maybe the maybe the pressure of wanting to win and Emma Hayes losing Sam Kerr has kind of forced her to become even more creative, but even quicker. And maybe that's the reason why Chelsea just like suddenly finding all these different ways because there's no more of that reliance on Sam Kerr. When Sam Kerr isn't there or she's on the bench or she's injured, you're like, Sam will come back, we'll figure it out. But now you're in a position where Sam's not going to be back for a year, so we have to figure this out right now if we want to win. So maybe in that sense, it's given Chelsea a sense of urgency to be able to go in and find these solutions quicker. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's really interesting, interesting point there. And I think... Yeah, the variety is really, really crucial for, for all of the reasons you just laid out. So, 
I was getting a little bit nervous, even though I thought we were on top just because we weren't scoring. But then we get the second penalty. This one, I think, is also pretty soft. This is what I almost, I've come around to the conclusion that it's softer than the first one. But also, at the same time, I don't know what Claire Wheeler thinks she's doing. So, Myra picks up the ball. She skips past a couple of players. Like, this is such a good drive from her. And she's driving into the box. Um, she's like got to the byline, she's about to come round, and Wheeler for some reason like she's trying to hold on to Ramirez and she sort of goes to ground and she doesn't actually make a challenge, but there's a little bit of contact, not much contact. I think Ramirez buys the foul, not mad about it at all. Um, I just think in this this is a situation whereby if you're the defender, you cannot go down in the box like that unless you are coming away fully with the ball or putting it out of play or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I, I think I think just Everton just made some some weird decisions. And the amount of times that they lunged in on that right whenever Chelsea wanted to go in for a cross, whether it was Myra or anybody, a guru or anybody else, it was actually unreal and Chelsea just kept doing it. Yeah, it was maybe a contentious decision in the end because of the contact and everything. But you can't lunge in like that. And even getting a little bit of a foot in can, can cause any sort of trip. And obviously Myra got the trip. She went down and, you know, at the end of the day, I'm more on that being a penalty than the first one. If I'm being like honest, like if I had to say which one of the two do you think is more of a penalty than the other, I'd say the second one's more of a penalty than the first one just because there's clearer contact with the ball at her feet and kind of, you know, on the byline than, than the first one. But yeah, it's, it's everything kind of just probably in some ways, um, probably in some ways shot themselves in the foot and, 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 you know, giving away penalties like that is obviously not going to help them. But yeah, you know, we, we, we have to see, but you know, Chelsea needed the, needed the, needed the goals and needed the opportunities. And I think just that's going from open play fine, but I think they just deserve the goals at the end of the day anyway. So whether it came from a penalty through that or through open play, I think it's, I think the, the goal tally warranted, however the chances came. Definitely. Um, yeah, and slotted away by Guru down the same side. Very, very nicely uh, done. Sent Brosnan the wrong way on this one. Um, let's talk about the third goal because the penalties were whatever, but this goal was a proper, proper, proper goal. Erin um, Cuthbert wins the ball back. Uh, it gets sort of played in. I think it's... I think it goes... Kirby, Nuskin, Fischl out to Cuthbert, who's then made the run, and... Fischl kind of passes it in quite a funny way. It's all very one touch, but Erin, in the form she's in, has no problem uh, just volleying it first time. And it was, it was a great. It's probably one of the best goals we've scored like as a team this season. Oh yeah, for sure. I was, I, I think I watched that two or three times. It was absolutely brilliant, and it was so nice to see all of the flair players, and then with Fischl kind of being the the final link player, the, the you know the link up player at the at the top to to get the assist. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant, and I think this is the epitome of of what I think Chelsea have been trying to do for so long, and getting these players in these central areas to to play this way, and to kind of see probably. And I say this in the in in the greatest possible way, the least aesthetic, technically technical player in the Chelsea team, which is Erin Cuthbert, in terms of the way her technique is, like it's the least aesthetic one. While she's a very good technician, to be able to kind of play the one touch and kind of the concentration of her looking at the ball to try and okay, I'm going to hit this <laughs> in the sweet spot, head over. That technically was a very very good, well taken shot. 
but it was just funny to see that entire sequence with Aaron at the end of it. But I think it just went to show the the way Aaron played that game game was was brilliant. Um, and and she kind of deserved that goal with her form. But yeah, I think as a team goal, the build up, the the chances taken, and the finish with the congestion, I thought was was brilliant. I don't know. I I don't know how you how you top that sort of goal. Yeah, guys, if you. If you don't go on FB Ref all the time, firstly, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It's my favorite website in the world. If you like going on FB Ref, please just go and look at Erin Cuthbert's scouting report because it is just green, 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 green on everything apart from clearances. She's in the fourth percentile for clearances. Sort that one out, Emma, Erin. Uh, but like, this is just such a perfect encapsulation of everything she's doing as a player right now. That goal takes her to five in all comps this season. Um, FB Ref don't have League Cup and FA Cup stats, so I don't exactly know how far off she is. But for context, in Champions League and WSL in the past two years, she's scored five um, and six. So she's already equal with that, obviously, with like a third of the season still to go. Um, previous seasons as well, she scored like two um uh her f- second second se- full season at Chelsea she got 12 so that's like the score to beat for her um but yeah it just feels like she's popping up in in loads of great moments at the moment um also like that her and Loy Poltz had seven tackles and interceptions each both of them just like working so well as that midfield duo that I think you know we've said recently we've really missed um finally just want to shout out me official because I think this was a really nice little cameo from her. Um, She missed a good opportunity, uh, but it was a bit tricky, sort of the way the ball came into her. Um, But obviously she sets up Erin's finish. And um, I felt like this sort of showed the usefulness of having someone like Ramirez come in, whereby we don't have to put the pressure on Mia to start and perform every game. And I don't know if it's just me reading too much into it, but I felt sort of her cameo in the final 25 minutes or whatever it was, um, 15, 20 minutes, just sort of showed her maybe being able to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more free and just focused on her kind of individual game. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we saw, we definitely saw a bit more of a more relaxed me official in, in, in that cameo in the second half. And I think maybe that at least for a first season maybe that should be her role to kind of come in get a feel of the team get a feel of the club and not play with maybe as much pressure you know i'm not saying that's going to happen every single game but you know if she comes in and plays you know uh 20 25 minutes after myra's you know done a shift and and then players are tired you know I, i really do think there is a role there and if she can provide the assist the way she did and maybe score a couple of goals. I mean, there was even a header in that towards the end of that second half that Mia put, you know, Mia got got over a lot of players and if they find out enough power. But, you know, if she can replicate that again in set pieces and, and crosses and things like that, I think we will have a, a good player who can come in and link up with players and also kind of give us part of what Myra has given us and at the same time maybe chip in with a few goals. You know, if if... Me official ends up having like eight to ten goals in all comps this season. I'll be happy because you know, first she's she's young, coming to a new league. Considering she's coming from from the Mexican league, I don't know whether whether you'd consider the Mexican league better or worse than Liga Efe compared to where Myra's come from. But 
all things considered, playing, you know, coming from as a, as a top striker in that league and then coming to WSL has been a big change for a young player like her. Um, I think I think coming in and, you know, for the first time having to to really adapt to a big team, I think will be is is a challenge. So yeah, I think I think these um these cameos I think will be uh, will be good for her. And if we can get build her confidence and you know, hopefully we can get her to start scoring some more goals. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. We've obviously got two fixtures against championship opposition coming up. We've got the Conti Cup quarter against Sunderland and then the FA Cup fifth round against Palace. It'll be interesting to see sort of who gets the nod in those games in terms of Myra or Mia because there's obviously a desire to bring Myra up to speed, but also at the same time, I feel like they're really good opportunities for Mia um, to like continue her trajectory. Um, don't know whether we'll maybe go with we'll switch them one for one game, one for the other. But I think that'll be something to, to keep an eye on because I do feel like Mia can be um a really like effective player to come on later in games, definitely. Uh before we go look at the title race, uh give me your player of the match. Gotta be Aaron Cuthbert, just way too good for me than that game yesterday. Every goddamn week we give it to her, Abdullah. <laughs> I am not going to give it to her because someone else needs to get it sometimes. Uh, I'm going to give it to Myra Ramirez because I think that was a, for a full debut in the WSL. I thought it was a really impressive uh, appearance. Um, I think she's a really, really exciting player. And if this is the impact she's having when she's literally been at the club for like, what, 10 days at this point, um, I'm really, really excited to see where her future goes. Um, okay, let's let's have a look at the title race then before we wrap up because this is all quite important. So, as we've alluded to, Arsenal lost on Sunday. So, they were 1-0 up against West Ham, Russo goal, and then a Viviasai penalty and a Hawa Sissoka screamer meant West Ham 1-2-1. I think part of our penalty controversy has come from, as I said, that game because the West Ham pen looked like it was at the area and Arsenal maybe had a shout for one or two pens during the game. But, as I say, sometimes it's how the game goes. So we are currently top 34 points after 13 games. Everyone's played 13 games. Uh, Man City then are in second. They're three points behind us, 31. Arsenal in third, six points behind us now on 28. United, uh, this is kind of interesting as well because United, I felt like, were sort of out of the Champions League race. They now might have their eye on Arsenal. They're only four points behind them. Do you think it's fair to say at this point Abdullah, that that six-point gap is going to be too much for Arsenal to make up? Is it between us and City? Yeah, have we ever seen any team lose three games and come back? I mean, it would need Chelsea to be catastrophically bad to to lose, to get them back in the race. And I do think it's between City and, and, and Chelsea now. City really kicking into form. Um, I go into games with City are playing with a bit more worry that City are going to win those games more often than not than Arsenal right now. I think with Arsenal, it's like, there's always a chance. I don't know why. There's always a chance with Arsenal to lose a game. But with City, I, I look at them no matter how their coach with Gareth Taylor, but just because of the quality that they have. You look at that front three of Shaw, Kelly, and, and Hemp, you're like, they'll just bail them out regardless of how the coaching is. They're just, they're just so good that they'll bail them out. And, and games like... Against Leicester, it could have been a banana skin for them as well. Leicester have been really good this season. That you know they're up in twelfth, they've been coached well. So, um, I think, uh, and then they kept them to a clean sheet in the la last time they played them. So, uh, it could definitely have been a, a different game. But 
I, I think that City are probably going to be, I think they'll leapfrog Arsenal eventually and they'll they'll be gunning for the title with us uh, all the way. Yeah, definitely. I think what feels really different about City this season compared to last is that it feels like Hemp and Kelly and Bunny are all in places to be really clutch. Whereas I think last year, um, the three of them, whether it was just them sort of maturing or building their relationships, felt like they could play really well and everyone knows how talented they are as a front three. But the, those moments to get the goals when you've not been, you've been knocking on the door, you can't get there, that wasn't there. Um, even their loss, obviously, against Brighton earlier in the season. But this Leicester game, it was like they scored, I think, in the 82nd and 85th minute. Hemp's finish is amazing. Kelly then scores from a corner. Uh, and I think that's what Arsenal are really missing at this moment, the sort of player who's going to step up and get the goal for them when things haven't gone their way. Um, I don't want to write Arsenal entirely off just because I'm scared. Uh, and I don't want the jinx to come by saying this, but it would have to be, I think, very extraordinary, not even just from us, but to need us and City to fuck up a lot. The benefit, to a certain extent, that Arsenal might feel like they have is they do have to play us and City still. But, I mean, they might feel like they can do it. They've beaten us and City once already, um, but they've played both those games at home. So they've got to go away for the other two. So it'll be interesting to see what I think the Arsenal result actually sort of piles the pressure on Abdullah is the game on the 16th of Feb against City, which you are going to be in attendance for, Yes, it makes it feel even more crucial because if we win there, there's the potential that we have a six-point lead over both sides with eight games to go. Yeah, it's such a crucial game that I had to fly out to watch this game in person. That's how <laughs> crucial this game is. Legit. <laughs> we needed your support. I know. Commitment to come and watch them for the first time. No, that'll be that'll be fun. No, huge. I mean, the game is huge. Like you, it almost the fact that Arsenal lost and City won almost sets up that game as almost like a very early title can decider sort of. We'll see who the initial favorites are. You know, like the second half of the season initial favorites are but by literally the, the result of this game because if City win, they close that cap gap that's big. Let's see how the pressure tells in Chelsea then. Chelsea win, potentially six point gap. They go they go forward and, and they could do Chelsea things and it's up to everybody else to try and beat them to try and uh, capitalize on anything that, that Chelsea falter on. So big game, super intense. Um I hope it's full of goals and and you know we we have a good game. But yeah Big, 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 massive game. It's just very, just very much seems like an early title decider just because of yesterday's results. Yeah, definitely. I feel very, very nervous for that game. Uh, and then Arsenal play United at the Emirates on the Saturday as well. So that's going to be a really big weekend right before the international break. Just to finish off then. So, housekeeping news. Um, it's the Champions League quarterfinal draw tomorrow, midday UK. You'll probably know who we've got by the time you listen to this, but... Abdullah and I will react to that as part of our episode that we're doing tomorrow where we're looking at Myra in a bit more detail. Um, that episode means we're not going to do a specific reaction episode to the Chelsea-Sunderland game. Um, we will wrap that into the Chelsea-Palace game, the FA Cup game. So we've got Sunderland on the Wednesday, 
Palace on the Sunday in both of those competitions. But for now, Abdullah, thank you very much for joining me. No, thank you very much. We will be back with you tomorrow then, Chelsea fans, to look at that Champions League draw to chat about Myra. But until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs> <laughs>